Ladies and gentlemen, it's a pleasure to be with you again at the Edelmetallmesse. Really sorry that I can't be with you in person. Um, now it's a, it's a second year that uh, we can't actually all be together, but I look forward to next year and I'm sure that we'll, we'll then meet all in Munich, which is a wonderful city. Now, if you wonder why I'm, I'm speaking in, in English, well, it's, it's because my English is much better than um, my German. I was born and raised in, and educated in Sweden. Um, so um, that's why I'm doing it in English instead. I hope you can follow me. Uh, so let's, let's start a presentation. Misery of Fortune. Well, that was um, a, um, uh, in a Shakespeare play, Julius Caesar and Brutus said, you know, if you take the right road, that will lead you uh, to fortune. But if you take the wrong road, it'll lead you to misery. Now, we have the same choice in the next few years, because, and I'm talking about especially our financial affairs, our investments. If we make the wrong choice, we are going to be left, um, if not destitute, a lot poorer. If we make the right choice, we will protect ourselves and our families. So, so let's have a look at the presentation. Well, this is another way of expressing what we, what's happening today. You know, this is the emperor's new clothes we're looking at. We're looking at an economy where everything looks fantastic on the surface. Everybody's happy, lots of money around. Uh, but sadly, it's the wrong kind of money. And also, you know, the, we have a central bankers who are interfering in the economy in a major way and making things a lot worse. Um, and remember, you shouldn't listen to what they say. You should listen to what they do and the, uh, the mess they create. Uh, because central bankers have never, ever forecast anything. Now, they never forecast a boom. They never forecast a bust. Um, they never react in time uh, with their instruments, interest rates or money printing. Um, uh, so they're always behind the curve. Um, and when Powell says that we need to watch carefully um, uh, and see the, uh, the, if the economy is evolving consistent with our expectations and adapt policy accordingly. Well, they never have before. So why do you think that he's going to do it this time? Of course, he's not. He's sleeping at his watch. Uh, he's not going to save the economy, actually. Yeah, central bankers are the ones who are going to create the, the or have created uh, the, the, the disasters that we are about to see. And of course, uh, Janet Yellen, who uh, previously was Fed, Fed head, now is Treasury Secretary, um, you know, they, they talk about transitory inflation. When I spoke to you a year ago, I said the inflation is coming. And you know, now uh, they are surprised to see inflation, but they call it transitory because they, don't, they can't believe that we actually have inflation. Um, but we will do, and a lot more than they ever uh, think. So as you see, Janet is saying, I don't think we are about to lose control of inflation. Um, I expect an improvement in, in the middle of next year. Well, that's nonsense. We're not going to get an improvement. We're going to get more inflation. Just look at now here. You see the, the, the red line is the official CPI, uh, consumer price inflation in the US. So that's around 5%. And that's the highest it's been since 2008 or nine. Um, and then, uh, but before that, it was already, there was in the 19... Um, 90s at this level. So th these are the highest level that America has seen for basically for thir 30 years. 
But the real inflation, the real inflation, which is calculated the same way as, as it was officially calculated in the 1980s, is a totally different figure. That is, the real inflation in the US today is 13%. So that is what is actually happening. Anyone who, who buys things in the shop or you know, um, in the shops or pays for insurance or, or gas or, or petrol, et cetera, they know that prices are going up dramatically. Uh, but the in official figure doesn't reflect that at all, as we all know. Now, and of course, uh, Christian, Christine Lagarde, who is, um, you know, you know, she's not going to do worse than the others because uh, they're all the same. And so here, I'm saying anything you can do, I can do better, she says to Powell. Um, if some of you might remember that that is a song from Annie Get Your Gun, uh, anything you can do, I can do better. But, and of course she does by, by printing, uh, you know, now latest bit um, is a $2 trillion emergency scheme, but there'll be more, a lot more. And of course, Again, she's saying the same. They're using the same word, all of them. Inflation is transitory. Um, and these ECB is committed to, to preserving favorable conditions for all sectors of the economy. Well, hmm, how can they do that? Well, it's only one way. She's showing it here. Print, print, printing money, and sadly, not even the people get it. It's just the, the, the financial system uh, that gets it, and it's for saving the banks primarily. Uh, and benefiting, um, you know, a, a very small, very small uh, segment of, of investors, but certainly not the masses. And look at eurozone um, inflation. Now, tra transitory inflation. As I said last year, I said that we we're going to see inflation. Then inflation in the eurozone was minus 0.3 percent in November 2020. Well, look at it, what it is today: four percent. Dramatic increase every month. You see, it's gone up and up and up. This is not going to stop here. Uh, it, it, you know, looking looking at what's happening to commodities um, and and to shortages, etc. This inflation is going to continue uh, and, in my view, accelerate. So let's look at stock markets. Well, you know, we have the what we call here the everything bubble, all markets, uh, stocks, bonds, property prices, they're all uh, at highs that uh, you know, are almost unbelievable. Uh, here's a Dow Jones from 85 to 2021. For, you, for, for the ones of you who have been through uh, this era, you might remember that in 1987, that was the most massive collapse. And here in this ring on the left here, uh, I'm pointing to it. look at it, what it looks like now. I mean, I remember it extremely well. I was actually in Tokyo at the time and, and uh, flo floating or, or uh, a company uh, on the Tokyo Stock Exchange, a British company. So, you know, I remember it extremely well. And, but, you know, that's like, hasn't happened. And the same with the, with, with the 2000 to 2004 decline in stock market. And the same again, 2007, nine. Um, and now we saw one a year ago and that recovered within a few months. So every time we've seen the almost disastrous corrections here, one, two, three, four of between uh, 40 and 60%, they've recovered very quickly. Why? Well, we know why. Money printing, of course, money printing. Uh, it's just liquidity that is um, uh, making the difference. And this liquidity goes to the to, to areas like the stock market, not to the people. Um, I'm showing a technical indicator here. 
a momentum signal or our relative strength index. And as you can see, for, for since around 2017, this momentum indicator has not followed price. That is a very bearish signal. You know, when momentum doesn't follow price, it's called bearish divergence. And the likelihood is that at some point, um, not too far away, we're going to see a crash here. That's the risk. That's the risk you must be aware of to protect yourself. Now, this is Buffett's favorite indicator, Warren Buffett. Uh, and this is stock market value to GDP in the US. Now, now you, this is a curve set from 1972. And you can see that we, the stock market of GDP made a peak in, in 2000 uh, at um, about 135% uh, of GDP was the stock market value. That's of the whole uh, five, Wiltshire 5000 index. Um, 2007 was relatively low. And, and now we are over 200% of GDP, um, the stock market to GDP. That's, that is 56% above 2000 peak. That is massive and a very dangerous signal. Look at money supply. You know, it's, it's growing, growing, it's been growing uh, in the last year at a hyperinflationary rate. Uh, if, if you look at the compound annual growth here for, for these periods, I'm showing this is from 1970 to 2021, this chart. And so 1971 to 2011, for 40 years, it grew at 6% per annum. Then from 11 to 21, it grew at 24%. And now it's absolutely exploding, as you can see. We're looking here at 126% per annum in the last two years. Of course, all this trouble started, as we see on the right in the chart, when it got, went vertical uh, money printing. So this started, of course, uh, in September 2019. It didn't start with a COVID crisis. That was just an, an, a good excuse for, for the uh, central banks to print more money. But no, it, it did start instead with problems within the banking system and, and in the derivative system. Uh, that, as I said, started in 2019. Um, and so that problem is still around. That problem is still an overhang from the 2006 to nine crisis that was never resolved. That was just pushed forward. And now we, we're getting it, but um, hundreds of times worse. So, so um, uh, th this is also an incredibly dangerous sign uh, that cannot end well. Now, remember, I'm talking a lot about the US because the US, remember, is uh, the, the economic engine and the financial engine uh, of the world. You know, the, and mainly because, I mean, they have been, of course, an industrial superpower and not anymore because they've basically moved a lot of the factories to China. Um, uh, and uh, also now, the, you know, the dollar is massively overvalued um, and that's why they're still on, on the surface. It looks strong, but it isn't a strong economy. Just take this measure here. That's the U.S. budget deficit. Basically, there has not been since 1930, since 1930 here, there has not been a real deficit except for um, three, four times uh, during the, the 50s and the 60s. Um, and the, the, the surplus you see here in the end of the 90s, that we just called the Clinton surpluses, were not real. They were actually just uh, manufactured because even though they showed a surplus, 
the the actual uh, debt was growing during that time. So so it, they just manipulated the figures as they always do, of course. So how can how do you think a country can survive on on basically never having a budget surplus since what for the last ninety years? And as as you probably know now today. The U.S. need to print about half of their annual budget in order to to make ends meet and survive. Just imagine, you know, of the money they spend, half of that comes from printing, not real money, just printing, just manufacturing, making it up and pretending everyone is money. Of course, it's not money. It's fake. It's an illusion. It's going to end badly. And here we all see all the central banks uh, since um, 2007. What have they done? You know, they've, they've increased uh, their balance sheet from five trillion 2007 to 30 trillion today. That's six times up, six times. Look again; it's from 2019. It's exponential, totally exponential. And you know they've all gone up by more or less the same multiple. ECB from one to nine trillion. The U the U.S. Fed. From one to eight trillion, Japan from one to seven trillion, etc. I mean, this is just this is just unreal. I mean, you know, the money has been created just for the financial uh, system to survive. It's astronomical. And again, you know, if you print worthless money, you are not actually creating any real values, and we will see that in the future, and that's the case. So here we're back to the emperor again. You know, so what? what well, there was no. There was no gold thread. They didn't have any say, gold thread. So, so you know, see here, and they're weaving a, a cloth here for the emperor's uh, clothes. But they're, they're, see, there's there's just an illusion because actually <laughs> there's nothing there. They're just they're just creating an illusion. And the emperor, of course, initially he believed it. He believed that it was a, a beautiful costume that was made for him. Well, the biggest problem in the world is, of course, debt. Debt is going to eventually will create um, the the real uh, collapse of the financial system, in my view, and that's inevitable. So it took two thousand years to get two hundred trillion debt for the world, um, and then it, from from two thousand to uh, today, that debt has grown three times from hundred to three hundred trillion. Uh, so it's grown by another 200 trillion in just 20 years, what before took 2,000 years. And you see, and you see how it's actually going up exponentially. And so I'm forecasting uh, debt of two quadrillion, maybe more in the next uh, four to nine years, or roughly. Uh, why? How can I do that? Well, because you have you know, first of all, you have things like um, uh, the unfunded li liabilities, health insurance and pensions, et cetera, that will all have to turn into money because there won't be any, uh, the, the pension schemes will disappear in my view and, and, and medical schemes too. But then you have the big, big figure here is roughly one and a half quadrillion dollars of derivatives in the world. Those derivatives function very well when everybody buys them and there's liquidity, but when everybody wants to sell, which will come at some point, because almost every financial instrument in the world today, including stock market funds, bond funds, et cetera, are, are created out of derivatives, not of the real uh, actual instruments. So, so these, these are, they really are weapons of mass destruction. Um, and you know, when counterparty fails and everybody wants to sell, sell, 
then there, there will be I mean, nobody buying them on the other side. And that's when the value um, of one and a half quadrillion or more um, is going to implode. Uh, and this is when central banks will have to step in and print, print that money because the banks cannot afford to, to uh, repurchase these derivatives, which at that point will be worthless. So that's another major, major risk for the world. And, and don't ignore that, please. So, you know, we have this saying that um, I'm too big to fail. So here we have the gambler being Wall Street, representing Wall Street. You know, it's so the debt is so big, everything is so big, so so that they have to save them. They can't, they, they can't fail. Well, my view is that we have now reached the point that the system is too big to survive. Uh, and you know, there's no use printing more worthless debt um, uh, to pay for the old worthless debt. And, and therefore, at some, at some point, this system will implode. Now, you've, um, uh, you know, we talked about currencies. You probably know that most currencies since 71 have, have lost um, about 97, 99% against gold. And, you know, the mighty dollar, look, the mighty dollar uh, in gold terms was $35 in, in, in uh, 1971. Uh, when Nixon said, your dollar will be worth as much tomorrow as today. That's when they took away the gold backing of the dollar in 1971 when, when gold was $35. And so what happened to the dollar? Well, it's certainly not worth as much at all as in 1971. It's lost 98%. And so has every currency, the euro, the yen, uh, uh, the pound, uh, the Canadian dollar, etc. So every country is in the same situation, give or take a couple of percent. And that's where we're going. So we have another, we have another two, three percent to go to zero, which will happen. It's happened every time in history so far. Every currency, every no currency has survived in history. No currency. Remember that, except for gold. No. Um, so we, we now have the last two, three percent. But remember, that is that is 100% from here. So, uh, and that's what I'm saying. We're going to go down another 90 to 99% in most currencies. That's when we will get hyperinflation. Um, that's guaranteed. Uh, I absolutely, I, I can't see that how, how that can be avoided. In any case, we're again talking about risk. Yeah, I can be wrong, but then you, you're, you're, we are here to protect our assets against risk. Uh, and that risk is very high. Well, what will that mean for, for gold? Will it be $19,000 out of 90,000? Or you know, if the dollar becomes worthless, will it be $100 trillion like in the Weimar Republic? Well, time will tell. So now you say, well, what, is go what does gold help against all of this? Well, I will tell you, it serves no purpose to hold gold if governments maintain surpluses and if neither government nor private debt nor money supply increase by more than a very modest inflation rate. So that, so, so it's no use, you don't need gold if that happens. And if there is sound monetary uh, policy with no printing, you don't need gold either. And if, if inflation is at zero or almost zero um, in real terms, not in fake uh, money printing terms like that, but if it's uh, in real terms at zero, um, then you don't need gold, uh, gold either. Um, but if and if the currency maintains its value, which is almost inevitable with the your policies, then you don't need gold. So, welcome to Shangri-La. 
Uh, have we ever seen a situation like this? Well, in history, maybe for extremely brief periods, but as I said before, uh, in the last 5,000 years, no currency has ever survived. Uh, all currencies have died, every single one. Remember that, remember that. They've all been printed to death, basically. So, uh, you know, why should history change because we live today? Very unlikely. So the same will happen again. It's only a question of how long it will take. Um, and here we, here, we, here we have the magician, Pal, um, you know, with his hocus pocus. You know, it's, all, it, it's all an illusion. So he's, he's making things look real where, when it's an illusion. That's why, obviously, as I said, it will fail. So. If you don't hold gold, remember that, then you don't understand that we live in a fake world with fake money and fake valuations. That, you know, money will return to its intrinsic value of zero, as Voltaire said. That's a, that's a guarantee. Um, and of course, if you buy the assets you finance with money, that is absolutely worthless because it is. Everybody thinks it's worth something today, but, but everybody should understand that if you print something and it costs you nothing to print it, uh, it has zero value. And therefore, the, the assets that are bought with this money will also have zero value or, or you know, how do I say, 90% uh, of the value will come off. So maybe it will have 10% value or something. It will still be worth something, but not uh, the bubble prices that we're seeing today of all assets, that's for certain. And it's the same with, uh, yes, I said, stocks uh, will go, go down 90%, bonds will go down 90% or more. So go down, many of them will go down 100% because the borrowers will default. They, you know, the people are not going to uh, be able to afford to, to re repay their, their debts. Uh, and this is why we'll see massive defaults. And also, if you don't hold gold, you lack regard for your stakeholders. Well, by stakeholders, I mean the people who have an interest in you who are actually dependent on you. That can be your family, that you know you have to look after your family, or if you're investing money for others, it can be your investors. You know, and 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 I mean, you must hold gold and some silver to protect against uh, these risks that we're talking about today. Remember, I'm not, you know, I, I got, I'm not a pessimist um, at all, but it's just that I'm, I'm studying and analyzing risk and risk is very high. And then I think you've got to protect yourself. And I sincerely hope that all of the things I say here will not happen, but I, I, I'm afraid that future histori historians will, la will write about this era as something absolutely um, uh, exceptional uh, in, in, uh, in world history. So uh, therefore, to understand history, because we've had, we've had all of these periods before, but it's just that this bubble is bigger than ever before because it is global. It, there has never been a situation when every country and every continent is in the same position as today. Um, and therefore, this is unique and on a much greater scale uh, than any default or any economic collapse that we've seen before in history. But, you know, the size of it or the magnitude of it, we will only know uh, in, in when future historians write about it. Because, you know, when you're in the middle of it, you don't see it clearly. But you see the risks. So, yeah, that's what we are going to worry about. Uh, so please, please think about the risks.
So next slide is going to come up here soon, I hope. There we are. Um, so now look at gold here. Everybody talks about gold in dollars and not, you know, gold in dollars is, of course, uh, now still below the 1920, $1920 high in 2011. But if you look here at gold in euros, gold in euros made a high um, 2012, I think it was, 11, 12. And, and that was uh, about 1300 uh, on a monthly basis, 1370 euros. Uh, so, but, and today we are 1570, so we're 200 euros above. And that was a massive peak after, as you know, from, from, from a very low level in the year 2000, it was up uh, five, it was up, uh, well, less than, just un, under five times, four times something uh, at that time. Uh, but now, you know, now, now since gold is up five and a half times since, since uh, 2000. Um, and the next phase, as I said, will be the one with massive money printing. So, so you know, it depends on what the value, uh, what the value of gold will be in euros or the dollars. It will depend on, of course, on the value of the currencies. If they, if they become worthless, gold will go to infinity. Um, so, but that's, but that's not real. What you think about it, what is real is grams or ounces or kilos of gold. That's what you should think about, not to value it in, in worthless currencies. So, um, gold is clearly the ultimate wealth preservation asset. It's always been in history, in history. It's, it's, it, there is no point in history when, when gold has been worthless. And it's not going to be worthless this time either, because all it does it's, it's not a spectacular investment. It's just an asset that maintains its value and its purchasing power in real terms. That's the way you should think about it. Not as something that you buy to, to, to make Bitcoin type hundreds of thousands of percent of gains. That's not real. Gold is real. History proves that it's real. And that's why you must hold it. Um, so, and you've got to hold it, of course, in a way that's safe. You've got to hold it outside the banking system physically with direct access to it. Um, and if you do, you protect against financial risk. As I said, the whole the, fi the financial system, the banks, et cetera, you, pr pr you protect against the monetary risk, which means you're protecting against um, the currencies collapsing. Remember, they're already down 97 to 99% in the last 50 years. Um, so, you know, the, the last few percent is going to happen. So, I mean, that's an absolutely guaranteed risk. Just look at history. And then, of course, you have counterparty risk. Uh, uh, counterparty risk means um, that, you know, the other side doesn't pay, basically. I might mention about derivatives as a counterparty risk. Um, you know, the bank, if you put money in the bank and the bank, the bank doesn't um, give you the money back, that's a counterparty risk. Or if you have stocks, um, or bonds for that matter, and hold it in the bank or with a custodian. You know, that's a counterparty too. You might not ever get, get hold of it again. They might go under, you might, might, and they might have borrowed it, um, and it doesn't exist anymore. So those are the type of risks that, that physical gold will protect you against. And then, of course, if the whole system collapses, you talk, we talk about a systemic risk, and systemic risk hopefully will not happen. Um, but danger is there because as I said, this is global this time. So this is again something that you protect yourself against. And you know, remember, nothing, no other asset has acted in the same way for, for, for 4,000 years as protection or insurance. You could say that land is a very good asset. That's true. Land is also over time a very good. Uh, the problem with land is uh, that 
first of all, it's not very liquid. Gold is, of course, totally liquid. What was land, uh, you, it's difficult um, sometimes to just sell land quickly if you need money. And also it's very difficult to divide land if you, don't, you only need a small piece. So therefore, over the long period, land has been excellent as protection. Uh, but short term, it doesn't give you the, the same protection as gold. So when will it happen? When will the little boy that we see here, when will he shout, the emperor has no clothes? Nobody dared to say it. Nobody has said it so far. There's always a trigger. Um, you know, some people thought, for example, that the Evergrande, the, 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 the um, property company in China that is massively leveraged or basically bankrupt, somebody thought that that would be the trigger. But so far it hasn't. It might not be too late either. We, we never know what the trigger is. The trigger might be just a, a very small bank going under uh, because when you have the bubble of this magnitude, you know, to, to prick that bubble with a needle, uh, you know, it doesn't require mu uh, much for the whole thing to implode. So um, don't wait for the for the uh, for this to happen to protect yourself before, obviously. So so um, our company, we, we you know we we obviously uh, help people with with buying gold, etc. So, but you know, first of all, you've got to say get out of debt as much as you can, uh, because you don't want to have debt. You never know what's going to happen to you. They might even. They might even index debt. It's happened before. That is that if you, okay, so you have inflation, but the banks or the governments might decide that you, know, you have to index the, the debt. So they, you have to, it will grow, your debt will grow with inflation. So dangerous to have debt, um, uh, especially if you are leveraged. Um, and uh, obviously get out of stocks and, and, and bonds and, and investment properties uh, to whatever extent you can. Um, and then on some gold and silver stocks, I think they'll be spectacular, some of these, but they are within the system, most of these. Think about that. Therefore, it should only be, only be a smaller percentage because you're holding them within the financial system and you have, as I said, the custodial uh, risk or the counterparty risk uh, by doing that. And then you know, live frugally and carefully. So cut down on your expenses because you might have a lower income or your pension money might um, come down um, dramatically. Um, and then you, of course, hold as much physical gold and silver as you can afford, uh, because uh, that will be your best protection in, uh, in, you know, against the coming hyperinflation. Because gold is now an unloved and undervalued asset more, more than any other asset. Now, just look at this here. So gold in relation to U.S. money supply. So this is um, from 1930. But look at here, 1934. Sorry, in, 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 2000, in 1970, uh, gold was $35. Um, and in 2000, it was $290. But if you look at here, uh, the, the chart and the curve here, um, gold today, the value of gold today in relation to US money supply is as low as it was in 2000 at 290 and in 1970 at $35. So therefore, Gold is incredibly cheap or, uh, today, or even dirt cheap, as I call it here, extremely cheap. So this is for anyone who th think they missed the boat. Uh, you know, you don't, you haven't. And of course, silver is even cheaper on a relative basis. What I'm, why I'm not promoting silver in the same way. I believe in silver. You should hold some silver, but it's so volatile. So most people will sleep better at night if they have more gold than silver. That, that's our recommendation. So what do we do, our, our company? Yeah, so um, I, I founded it in, in 1999, basically to 
preserve um, uh, our own wealth and, and the investors we looked after. Um, uh, and then also um, later on of, of, of other investors who wanted to be helped around the world. Um, so we are, we are, when it comes to high net worth individuals, uh, we are the, the global authority in, in, in wealth preservation and in gold and silver ownership with, with uh, clients in 80 countries. Um, in, in, in the Swiss uh, Alps, we have the biggest um, and the most secure private vault in the world. Um, and uh, so we cater mainly for wealthier people. With, so minimum is 400,000 Swiss francs in Zurich and Singapore vaults, and then 5 million in the in this, uh, Swiss Alp vault. Um, but I you know, do realize, of course, there are other people who haven't got these big amounts uh, to invest. So, so we have an associate company that does exactly the same as we do uh, for, for amounts below 400,000 uh, and down to, uh, I think, about tw even $20,000. Um, or, or or euros, so um, uh, that that's an alternative. Um, our well, website goldswitzerland.com, and, and you're welcome to contact us, um, and we're very pleased to help you or answer your questions. Um, so uh, this is the uh, uh, vault uh, in the Alps. Uh, there is a there is a, a video clip on the website, but I won't show that now. Uh, but it's, an, it's a James Bond like. Very, very secure and, and very, very, very safe. So, uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, I really hope that uh, next year I will see you all in person because I really look forward to coming to, to uh, Munich again. I mean, I think the Elmetal Mess is one of the, the best gold conferences in the world. And you, you have, you know, it's always full with people. All the speakers get a fantastic audience. Um, uh, and so I look forward to seeing you all there next year again. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you. Goodbye.